Well, it's not officially the offseason. The Indians are kind of in fall purgatory as they watch the other teams out in the West Coast and the South, I guess, uh, finish off the whatever you want to call the 2020 season. So while those teams are playing, I'm Justin Latta, and Willie Hood is here to join me to talk about the Indians offseason, which is going to be, well, I don't know if fun is the right word, but it's going to be a time. It, it's going to be a winter uh, of lots of things going on, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. So we're going to try to we're going to try to have this podcast as as news breaks and, and happens as time allows. I won't say it's going to be a weekly thing, but maybe we'll try to do. I don't know, two a month. Does that sound good, Willie? Two a month, maybe. Yeah, sounds good to me. Well. Good to talk to you. I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for you, and uh, I'm sure it'll be good to, to talk baseball and um, <laughs> maybe not think about so much going on at once. I know it's going to be it's going to be just as busy for you this winter as it will be for the Indians, probably. That's right, making some transitions in life, and that's exactly <laughs> where the Indians are as well. Um, I think it's going to be a transitional season, as you hit on. And uh, I'll just add this. It's good to talk to you again, by the way, Justin. It's been a while, and, you know, I've missed the conversation. Um, I know you and John did some fabulous work covering the tribe this year. Appreciate your all's patience with me. Um, You know, and I've got a lot going on and juggling a lot of balls in the air right now. (laughs) uh, I think that's going to be the Indians offseason as well, as you said. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have any shortage of news. And even if it's not actual news, it's going to be – a lot of speculation and we're going to try to stay away from that. I know as, as there is, as rumors do come out and obviously a lot of this is going to relate to Francisco Lindor. When we have the ability to record a podcast, uh, we certainly will touch on relevant news. I don't want to, I don't want to spend the whole month of November and December on random speculation. There's going to be a lot of tweets by a lot of reporters saying this and that. So I think we're going to be careful about how we do this. I, I personally don't want to talk about it unless we have something substantial to go on. So we're going to, I mean, I think you and I are going to have a lot to talk about as it relates to the Indians, not specific to Francisco Lindor. I think there's enough to talk about, and that's why we're going to have a long podcast today to kick off the off-season version of this. But let's let's get this out of the way. So I said the piece on, on we're not going to be, we're not going to be talking about Francisco Lindor trades every podcast. It's only going to be when news pops up. But John and I did did talk about this on the final season podcast, and I said, I do think Francisco Lindor is going to be traded because given the given how the Indians have already been cutting payroll for the last two seasons, obviously they're not going to increase payroll this year after not having fans in the stands. I don't see, given, given the financial outlook of 2021, I don't see a feasible way for them to get better as a team with Francisco Lindor for one more shot at a playoff spot with him, I just don't see a, a see a way of making it possible. I don't, I don't think they can be any better than they were this year with Francisco Lindor next year. I just think that there's no real upside. I mean, I think I told John, even if they make a trade, you can feasibly be as good as you are with Lindor and without Lindor if, you, if the trade's done right. But I, I just don't see a path to them having a better shot at a World Series title next year with Lindor um, the way they're going to financially plan and, and work this offseason. What what is your outlook for Francisco Lindor's future in Cleveland, specifically 2021? So for me, there's really three avenues. Um, I'll go into the first two. One is he gets traded and it's for some now help, which is kind of what I'm expecting. Um, at least one now piece, an outfielder or even a young shortstop that replaces him and then a young outfielder or something like that. I would expect at least three prospects in return if that's the route. The other avenue would be um, treading him for young pieces and then circumventing that move um, with with an additional deal that would bring in uh, some now help as well that would have to be controllable now. I'm not talking prospects. The Indians don't need more prospects. They have plenty of prospects in the system already and with minor leagues 
um, facing contraction, it doesn't make sense to bring in some guys and, and crowd the crowd the outfield again. I'll just say that <laughs> we yeah. don't need warm bodies. We need we need players who are ready and who can contribute right away. Um, look at Josh Naylor and Cal Quantrill as two pieces of the Clevenger deal. So I would expect some a now returner, a now impact in that. Um, I would also say that there's a, a third avenue, which if they are going to slice payroll, which is anticipated at this point, and it makes sense given the, the fact that they likely lost a boatload of money this year, um, they could move other pieces, and that could get ugly. We're talking maybe Cookie um, going, possibly Roberto Perez, to kind of offset Lindor's contract. contract. Um, that being said, you know, keeping Lindor would mean they have a whole nother season of him and that they were trying to win the division and get in the playoffs and go for it. And that would also mean that they were unable to make a deal with someone who was going to give them their price, which may be hard in this flooded market that's in, expected this offseason. Um, and furthermore, you know, they would also gain – the Indians would gain draft pick uh, compensation, assuming he walks and gets a, a deal enough, which he would. Um, you know, that, that would be nice, and that would add to the draft pool. And everyone who knows me or knows anything about me knows that I love the – major league baseball draft and how closely I follow it. It just doesn't make sense to add younger talent to the system in a system that has, and is producing now pitchers. Um, you know, I think there's a good path that Lindor is traded for something um, with a now component to it. Yeah. The, the now component could be interesting. I wonder if that's the route they were to take, I suppose, you might get one or two players. If you're looking for help right now, you might get one or two. And, and then for me, that would be like Brandon Nemo from the Mets. Like I could see that in, an, in one more piece. If you go that route, um, I think the biggest thing is you have to look at the Mookie Betts and the Manny Machado trades. Like the Red Sox got Verdugo, Jeter Downs and Connor Wong for Mookie Betts, but they also gave the Dodgers David Price and Cash. <clears throat> I would I would say that Mookie Betts is a better player than Francisco Lindor. Maybe that's controversial. Maybe it's not. There was also a third team involved, and the Dodgers got Bruce Dargretterall. They also gave Kenta Maeda, and they got a draft pick out of it. So I don't I don't know if I can look at the Mookie Betts trade as a a skeleton for a Lindor trade. I think that that trade's probably out of Cleveland's range for Francisco Lindor because there's a lot of complicated pieces to it. And I do think Mookie Betts is a better player. Um, I, I probably look at more of the, of the Manny Machado trade, which they got Yasniel Diaz, who was the best player in that trade uh, for the uh, Orioles anyway, not Manny Machado, even though Machado did have a good year for the, the Dodgers in those three months. Dean Creamer, Zach Pop, and Ry Ryland Bannon, and Brevik Valera. To me, that was a lot of minor league filler and hoping two of those guys might wind up being major league contributors. I think Yasniel Diaz is a great hitter, or should be a good hitter, and Dean Creamer looked like he was uh, throwing pretty good when he came up this year, but the other guys I don't really know much about. To me, you're just kind of hoping for some quantity there. It's it, That's reminiscent of the Clevenger trade. You know, you're getting four or five guys, and you're hoping maybe – you know, one or two ends up being a, a major league contributor, just playing the odds. So I like what you said about looking for help now, and maybe that's a, a Brandon Nimmo or, you know, a, a one for one. Maybe the Indians get a smaller piece out of that. I think the Mets are, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into these, but we can just say this will be our official Lindor segment um, until we get news. To me, I wanted to go through this chart was, um, Teams that could, could trade for Lindor are, A, teams that uh, will be able to afford to re-sign him or have him next year, teams that need a shortstop, and teams that have the prospects to match up. So that eliminates your, eliminates your uh, teams very fast. So to me, it came out of this. I have the Mets, Dodgers, the Angels, 
the Yankees, and maybe the Braves and the Reds. The Braves, I'm not really sure about because they have Nancy Swanson. He had a great year. Maybe he can be as part of the return for Lindor as, as a fill-in, but I think the Braves are pretty far down on the list. Um, but the Mets and Dodgers make a ton of sense to me because the Dodgers didn't need to talk before, and I think the Mets with a new owner are going to try to make a big move, and they want to win, and they have some pieces to send back, even if it's not Brandon Nimmo. But uh, those are the teams I, w- I would look at, and like I said, I would probably look for more of the the Manny Machado deal than I would uh, the Mookie Betts deal. You and I tweeted uh, uh, something very similar, and, and we had talked about it, and you know, both of us talked to a mutual friend about the, uh, the kind of a uh, deal that would make sense with the Angels, and that was Brandon Marsh, Luis uh, Rangifro, and a and a young arm, someone that would be you know far off, that's not going to impact anytime soon. Um, essentially, a lotto ticket type of arm. Um, you know, th- that's kind of where I'm landing on the Mookie Betts deal. If you look at it kind of what it is, you get uh, an Al piece, which they got in, in Vertigo, and then you have a young um, young infielder in Jeter Downs. That's something that the Indians would obviously want, uh, or they seem to treasure. You never have enough shortstops. And then the additional piece, which is a, a prospect that kind of falls in the 20-25 range in, in some rankings, that's kind of where Wong was. Other people had him higher. I was higher on him. I think that's a better deal. Uh, uh, I think the Red Sox got a better deal than what the Indians are going to get for Lindor. Uh, obviously, as you said, Mookie Betts is one of the premier players in the game, and the Red Sox were able to exact um, value by expanding the deal. Maybe that's where the Indians can go with Lindor, adding a young, um, a young arm maybe a Tristan McKenzie. I doubt that they will deal Zach Plesak the way he was dealing this year when he was out there on the mound. Um, but uh, maybe there's another young arm and they have a glut of arms, as, as you and I have discussed in the past. That might be a way to kind of prop up the value, so to speak. And, and I had floated out the idea before COVID really took, uh, took a hold of America. Well, I'll just say took hold of the world and Major League Baseball. Um, I kind of floated the idea that maybe the Indians could deal Lindor and, and maybe hand this offseason looking looking ahead. And and at this point, you know, I don't think Hand gets offered a contract next year, but, you know, I don't want to get off into that right now. I, I think maybe you get additional value by adding to Lindor, which is essentially what happened with um, the Red Sox deal with Mookie Betts, as you pointed out. Yeah, the hand thing for sure would have made more sense a few months ago. And, and he's got, what, a $10 million option? I, obviously, the names are going to decline that. And I don't think they can yeah. pick it up and trade that. And I don't think they'll risk picking it up, hoping they can trade him, because then they're stuck with that $10 million next year. So that's an easy cut. That's a good transition, too. So um, we've kind of discussed the Lindor thing, and we'll come back to those ideas as they pop up. I do agree. I, I mean, I, I like the Mets. I like the players the Mets could offer. We haven't heard anything on that. Like I said, I like – I don't think Ahmed Rosario is someone they'll offer, but I think Andres Jimenez is a natural fit to come back in that deal because they could slide Ahmed Rosario to second and play Lindor short, and then the Indians could get someone um, Tom, like Thomas Zapucky or maybe, I, maybe Don Smith's even too much for that. I don't know. I think the overarching thing with Lindor is I think people – if they know the Indians are going to trade Francisco Lindor, I think the expectation is that you're not going to get, I, mean, I know Francisco Lindor is, is a, is a great player. He's one of the best players in baseball and um, it's been the face of the franchise here. But if you're looking for uh, a Bartolo Colon for, you know, the Grady Sizemore, um, Cliff Lee, Brandon Phillips deal, it's just not going to happen. You can't set your sights there. I know, you say, well, don't trade them if that's the case, but that's just how it works in 2020. And if the Indians are going to make that deal, it's just not going to happen. So I think the expectations are low. I think, I do think Brandon Marsh and Luis Rengifo are, are very, a very realistic package to come back from the angels and the Indians, I think would, would target both of those types of players. And like you said, there's pitching involved, maybe. And we're going to get to the pitching, you know, down in this podcast at some point, but you mentioned the payroll. So, I believe you told me the Indians' payroll was $99 million, and that was before, obviously, the pandemic came and, and 
uh, the prorated 60 game contracts. Is that correct? Was it 99 million? Yeah, it was 99 million. It depends on the who you want to use as your source, but spot track and, and different ones, they were right at the, the 100 million mark. Um, I'm comfortable saying they were at 99 million. Um, you know, where do they go next year with payroll though? I mean, it's going to be down. I think, I think regardless of the pandemic, I think you were going to see the payroll true even more, to be honest with you. I don't think there was any way they're going to go up. If they traded Lindor, they could have at least came back with the same level of payroll and maybe just reallocated funds. But I'm, if they were at 99 before, my guess is we will see something in the $70 million range next year, maybe $75 million. Um, you know, we know uh, Cesar Hernandez is a free agent. I would be very surprised if he comes back. Uh, guessing, guessing the free agent market this winter is going to be a fool's errand because we have no idea what teams are going to do. We just don't have any, any clue what teams are going to spend money, what teams are going to give out multi-year deals, and quite frankly, what, what players are going to take multi-year deals because maybe you can get a multi-year deal, but maybe the annual average value of that multi-year deal is way down because it's a poor market this winter. Maybe you're better off taking a one-year deal, hoping that revenue is back up next year. Maybe fans are allowed back and you know, you can re-enter the free agent market a year later in a better situation, but that's all very unknown. So guessing the free agent game this year, to me, I'm not going to do it until they until we get there because it's going to be so hard to peg what's going to go on. But my initial guess is that uh, very little chance Cesar Hernandez comes back. Oliver Perez is probably done. Sandy Leone is not coming back. I hope not. Jeez. Uh, we don't have to get into that again. I think anybody who's listened to this podcast and listened to the uh, – the post game shows that John and I know that Sandy Leone is the last player I want to see play baseball ever again, besides the Leonard Shields. Brett Hand is going to be gone. Carl Santana's got a $17 million option who's, that's going to be declined. I'm almost positive. Um, I know some people wanted to bring him back on a lesser deal. I could see that happening. I could see the Indians cutting payroll and maybe having some room to bring him back on a lesser deal, but we'll see what happens. And then Domingo Santana, his option is what, $5.5 million, I think? Or he's got some kind of buyout. He's got a 250k buyout. Um, or or five million. I I didn't hear what you said, but his his salary would be five million dollars if they picked up the option. Not happening. They'll pay yeah. that uh, 250k and move on. Yeah, they're not going to muddy the outfield waters by doing that, and that's an easy place for them to cut payroll for next year. So basically, if you're if you can be a free agent and you've been a Cleveland Indian this year. You're going to be a free agent. That's how it's going to go. <clears throat> the other place, uh, aside from a Lindor trade, the other places that to me make sense are this. You have so many outfield options. I would almost say it's very likely that what Tyler Naquin is going to arbitration for the second time. And he had a very it's bad right. year. He hasn't been held. Is it his first time? No, no, I'm sorry. It was, it, it was his first year this year. It'll be his second next year. So I can I can easily see him as a non-tender candidate. I can I think I'm almost positive Delano the Shields will be a non-tender candidate. Um, I wrote down Nick Whitgren and Bradley Zimmer because they're both Bradley Zimmer is arbitration eligible this winter for the first time, which seems unbelievable that he's racked up enough service time given how much he's been hurt and sent down. I don't think they'll non-tender him because he's been a prospect. And gosh, Bradley Zimmer, I have to, I have to make I make sure I'm getting this right. Bradley Zimmer is going to be 28 next season, 28 years old. And I feel like he has not been around enough to be a 28-year-old Major League Baseball, but he will be 28 here uh, in about a, in a little over five weeks. That's unbelievable. So they're almost certainly going to, you know, tender him a contract given his prospect status. But, and he hasn't, and he is going to have an option left. So he'll be part of it next year, but, I guess if they were, you know, in dire straits, they could probably non-tender him. I don't. The other, other question is Nick Wickren. Nick Wickren has had a very good two-year stretch with the Indians. I put him on the list as a guy who, like I said, if the Indians are in dire straits and they're unable to find a trade for Francisco Lindor, whether it be return or anybody who's willing to take on the money, uh, I could see them making him making him a cut. But I would say he's probably a last resort. 
Yeah, he's not going to make a whole lot next year. Uh, he made about one, I think one and a quarter million this year. Um, honestly, for his type of, of role, I don't see him making more than like 1.5, maybe 1.75 million next year. Uh, yes, they could save a cool million on him, but do you want to do you want to go that direction just to save a million dollars? You know, you know what you that's, got with that's him. Really that's, not, that's that's not a lot of money to spend on him. Um, I, I really don't think he gets over two million dollars. To be honest with you, um, Tyler Naquin, you could basically double his salary. That's typically the trend. But he's going to go from about one point five to about three million. And to me, he's just not worth it. Um, the Shields, same. And Bradley Zimmer, it's an odd situation. I could see him re-signing, um, but not quite even breaking the million-dollar mark. Uh, but, you know, again, they may just decide that it's time to move on from him. We need to clear the clutter and, and just kind of move on in the outfield. And that's kind of the sense I I get that they may go. We'll see at least a, a, few, a few of those three guys um, no longer with the Tribe next season. Yeah, I think that's an easy place for them to trim payroll, and those guys just make sense. There's just so many outfield options for them to to sort through that I can't imagine they're going to bring Naquin into Shields back because if they have Zimmer back, you still have Daniel Johnson, you still have Jordan Luplo, you still have Oscar Mercado, you still have Jake Bowers. Uh, Nolan Jones potentially is an outfield option. I just think there's too many there's too many cheap options for them to consider bringing Domingo Santana and and – to Shields and make one back to muddy that up. They had a hard enough time sorting through the outfield this year as it was. Um, I, I did see some people suggest that Carlos Carrasco, because of how much he makes, could be a trade candidate this winter, and because a lot of teams will be looking for starting pitching, but who knows how much money they'll be willing to take on. He does make, I think, $10 million next year. Personally, well, I is it 12? Okay, $12 million even. I don't see the Indians making a trade for, for Carlos Frasco unless they absolutely financially are told to. Unless unless the Dolans come to Chris Antonetti and say, we have to clear that salary. We just have to. We, have, we haven't been able to clear enough salary the way we wanted to begin with. Um, I don't see it happening just because he has signed. He's still paying under market, which, well, okay, market before 2020 hit, obviously because salaries are going to change based off this, but he's still making under market probably. And he signed this deal to be here because he wanted to be here because how much he's involved in the community and how much he's meant to this organization, how much the organization has meant to him. So I, I don't see the Indians trading him unless there's an absolute last resort. I know people have suggested it. My personal position is that I don't, I don't see it being a possibility. The other guy, well, I'll let chance on Carrasco first, but the other guy, I think it'd be a very much possibility as, as Roberto Perez, just because he'll make $8 million next year. Or, I'm sorry, $5 million. And Austin Hedges is going to make about three. So that puts them in about the eight and a half, nine million million range for two catchers, which seems very unlikely given the, the way this team is going to trim the budget this winter. Yeah. Cookie has that $12 million option, which is a no brainer. Um, I do think that they'll take calls on him, which is what they would normally say that they do. Um, I think that they have to be bowled over with an offer, which is possible with the shortage of pitching on the market this winter and with his team-friendly contract and a, and a few years of control to come. Um, I just don't think that they move him. He's a pillar of the organization to me, and all that he's gone through in, in recent years with the battle with leukemia you know, I just think the ER look from that is bad enough if you deal Lindor. No way you trade Cookie, too. Um, I think it's a one or the other type of situation with the Tribe, but I, I will predict right now that Cookie will be the highest paid member of the Tribe next season. Um, as far as the catching goes, I, I completely agree with you. Between Austin Hedges and Roberto Perez, I don't think we see both of them back next year. Uh, frankly, I think it makes more sense to, to move on from Roberto as much as I like him you got a, the same quality of defender behind the plate in Austin Hedges, a player who's four years younger with the same amount of control. And, you know, Hedges is, Hedges is going to be ARB eligible again next season. He made $3 million this year. I don't see him getting a huge raise, if one at all, to be honest with you. 
and Roberto's due to make 5.5 million. That's including a, a five uh, a five hundred thousand um, dollar option, which obviously they're going to pay out to him picking up up the option. Uh, I do expect he would get traded, and that might be um, you know as we talked about Lindor, maybe they deal Lindor and get all young players, and then. With Perez, maybe you can deal Perez and get back a, a now corner outfielder or, or a now um, center fielder or, or young shortstop, whatever the case may be. You know, there's a lot of ways that could play out, but I think the two players we will see traded are Francisco Lindor and Roberto Perez. Yeah, I do agree with you. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I don't want to see Roberto Perez get traded, but it, it's just so odd they would trade for Austin Hedges. And, and hang on to about oh, – he made $3 million this year, so what? Like you said, maybe three and a half next year? Maybe, maybe. yeah. So you, I, I just – I can't believe they're going to pay almost $9 million to two catchers. That seems very unlikely. Uh, it does think they would move on Perez because he's been so good here. He's meant so much to the pitching staff. But uh, like you said, Austin Hedges is, is a very good defensive catcher. I don't think they'll have any issues transitioning to him defensively. There's not you're not going to get a whole lot of difference offensively. I mean, I know Roberto Perez had a good year last year, but um, that might have been over his head a little bit. And Austin Hedges has a lot of power, just you know, strikes out a lot. So it kind of is what it is. And the Indians have been playing with a hole in their lineup at catcher offensively for years anyway. Jan Gomes, I know, won the Silver Slugger in 2014, but that's that was you know long gone. So that hasn't been the case in a long time. And, and quite frankly, those are easy roster spots to clear, too. So they don't have a, a natural backup, so they're going to have to figure that out, too, um, on the 40-man roster because the no. option right now is, is Bo Taylor. And I, 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 don't think this team, I don't think this team wants to go into the offseason or go into 2021 with Bo Taylor. As, as much as they, they are going to cut payroll, I don't think this team wants to go into next year with Bo Taylor as their full-time backup catcher. I agree with you. I don't think it'll be Sandy Leone either, but he he's likely to be an available free agent. And and I'll tag in here that there there should be a market full of veteran guys who can come in and, and be quality defenders. I suspect there'll be a lot of guys who are on the fringe, um, maybe toward the end of their career, finding themselves in a new home next year as a lot of teams look to cut payroll. Yeah, they'll, they'll... – It'll be a case where they sign someone to a minor league deal and, and he'll make the team out of spring training as Austin Hedges backup, or maybe they'll trade Austin Hedges because he's cheaper. I don't know. Maybe someone will want Austin Hedges for his defense. And they trade him instead. One of those two, I, I don't think will be here next year. Let's put it that way. And that brings us to the 40 man roster. So we've gotten through the MLB portion of this draft or this uh, podcast a little bit, but we'll have a little bit more on it later. But the 40 man roster, this is what I, really, I wanted to get into because. Obviously, this is what we do, and it's the offseason, and this is the most interesting time to talk about it. So, for the first time, and there are other names, but for the first time this winter, Nolan Jones, Gabriel Arias, Eli Morgan, Carlos Vargas, Ernie Clement, and Will Benson are, I believe, the most notable names that will be Rule 5 eligible this winter. Um, Did I miss anybody of note that you believe would be eligible, Nobody that stood out to me um, looking over this, this list, I'm thinking we may get four to five of these guys added to the roster. I have. So spoiler alert, I was going to get this to the end of the podcast. So if you haven't been to Indians baseball insider in a while, um, we do have a new page, which is the depth chart and roster. So we are going to do roster projections throughout the winter for every level of the Indians, including major league baseball and all the way down for Arizona rookie league. That's at the top of our, our site. So you go to IndiansBaseballInsider.com, the top menu. We have depth charts and rosters. So uh, right now I have projected uh, the Indians protecting Eli Morgan, Carlos Vargas, uh, Nolan Jones, and Gabriel Arias out of that group, which brings them to a total of 35 players. And that's, um, that's assuming Roberto Perez, Austin Hedges, Tyler Naquin, and Delano the Shields are all back next year. Those are all guys that could be gone. But as of right now, I'm just going to have I have them there as coming back next year. So just with the guys that we know are going to be gone, I do have Carlos Santana is not there, but that puts him at 35. I don't I don't think there's any chance of 
Will Benson getting taken in the Rule 5 draft at this point. And um, if somebody takes Ernie Clement, um, I, I think somebody could just as a utility player. I think he's the kind of guy that would stick out. Maybe, maybe they do protect him. I don't know. Maybe maybe I should add Ernie Clement. What do you think? Clement is the is the fifth player that I mentioned there. When I said I expected four or five, Clement's the guy I was thinking of because of his base running ability. He, I I would not be surprised if he kind of goes the route of Mark Mathias um, last year, who was traded for a, a young um, catcher on Andreas Melendez um, from the Brewers. So Clement is either added or to me he will be traded before they let him. Um, be picked, but I, I think he would be a selection in the Rule 5, and that's just a guess, because you have a now ready um, utility player. He can play center field. He can play second base and shortstop. Uh, he doesn't offer any power, but he's a guy that's going to put up professional at-bats, and he's got good speed off of the bench. Yeah, I mean, I guess he'd be a cheaper... I don't know. He, he could easily replace Mike Freeman on there, but he's a right-handed hitter instead of Mike Freeman being a lefty, but uh, I could see him maybe replacing him on the on the bench there. Uh, I don't think he would be as good as Yu Chang. I think Yu Chang is a little bit better of a hitter, even though he's lesser a defender. But if you bring both of them back, I just don't see where Ernie Clement fits on, on a, a major league roster. Ernie Clement doesn't have much left to prove in the minor leagues. I mean, he, he is what he is. Like you say, he's a utility infielder that can play um, pretty much any position you ask him to. Um, and he's not going to strike out a lot. He's going to put the ball in play without much power. Jeez, he only has one, two. He has three minor league career home runs. That's funny. I just I, I haven't looked at his stat lines in a while and to see that that level of stats. But um, you know, he could be an option for them. So yeah, I, I think you're right. They can either trade him for somebody, someone's lower level prospect that that's they like a little bit, like Andres Melendez and. Avoid making a forty-man decision, but this is one of those winters where they're really not in a forty-man roster crunch. Like the way the roster is set up right now, with the guys that are leaving, they really aren't, you know, looking hard for plate for roster spots to clear to add players. So I suppose they could add him and not risk losing him, but I could see him being traded as well, like you just said. But doesn't really offer a whole lot. I don't know how much they prefer him to Mike Freeman or Yu Chang off the bench. I mean, he could he could easily just be as good as Mike Freeman. So he could, and there's really no need to move on from from like Freeman from from that perspective. Because you have a veteran player who's a left-handed hitter and somebody that Tito obviously likes. So I think you know they would go with uh, Freeman there. Him being a vet, and he's a, a year still away from arbitration. You know, so it's not like he's gonna be breaking the bank either. So you'd be paying about the same, a little bit more for the for the veteran player, but, you know, I think they would keep Freeman and then move on from Clement. And he probably ends up somewhere where he's a utility fielder infielder and add some depth to someone's infield next year. Who's looking for that. Yeah. I mean, he, he can carve out it. I'm, we're spending a lot of time on, on Ernie Clement, but uh, I, I, I've enjoyed talking to Ernie this time in the Myers here. He's a very thoughtful ball player. And he, like you said, he will provide somebody with a nice, bench roster spot uh, somewhere down the road. He will make the major leagues because he plays in positions and has enough speed, makes enough contact. He will be a major leader. Uh, I don't know if he'll be here, but he will, you know, fill out a 26 man roster, 28 man roster, whatever. So not a really, not really any controversial decisions in terms of the 40 man roster this winter. I don't think Jones and Arias are, are very obvious spots. To me, it's, you know, just protect the players that you listed there, four of the players that you listed there. I don't think Will Benson needs to be added just because he hasn't shown the ability to make consistent contact. Um, love the power potential and the other tools he has. It's just, you know, if he's going to hit below 250 in the minors, why would a team expect him to hit, you know, above 200 right now when he hasn't been above, what, uh, Lynchburg last year? Uh, or Lynchburg in... 2019 so you know it's with the lost season and I don't even know how you look at his performance with Sugarland Skeeters I, I don't think you do at all because it was such a small um small sample size uh 
if, if a team loves the tools and thought they could hide him and then slip him back down to the minor leagues, maybe. I just don't see anybody selecting him. Um, he's uh, wait and see where the tools take him still, you know. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow bake for for Will Benson if he's ever going to make the majors and he is not exactly. I know some people have said before, well, the Indians should have kept Anthony Santander, um, and he was he was in low or high A when he got taken by the Orioles. But uh, Anthony Santander was a lot better of a hitter and didn't strike out as much as Will Benson. So very different players. I, I agree with you, Benson. It's just going to be too hard to hide him long term. So I don't think that, that ends up being an issue. Speaking of guys that uh, okay, so we have we talked about Nolan Jones a little bit already in the forty man roster, so. We do have some recon going on in the – I, I wrote on AFL news. It's not really AFL. It's because uh, AFL is canceled this year, unfortunately. But uh, we do have Arizona instructs for the Indians. So there are a number of names that are hanging out down in the Arizona complex for the Indians and are playing uh, inter-squad games, and they're playing against the Reds. They're playing – I think they play against the Dodgers, but I think the rest of them are against the Reds, um, instructional league teams. We have recon from Joe, who is down in Goodyear. <laughs> uh, no, nobody's allowed in the stadium, so Joe is not in the stadium watching the games. But Joe um, just happens to be walking his dog uh, when the Indians are playing their instructional league games against the Reds. So he happens to be walking his dog in the area when those, those games are going on and takes some pictures while he's there. And we do have evidence that Nolan Jones, as uh, James Harris said to me two weeks ago, that he was going to get some outfield reps in the air in the, in the Arizona instructionals. He's played left field and right field. Not a surprise. Uh, I'd be curious to see what this experiment looks like. We don't really have any uh, visuals on him. I mean, I think Joe said he hasn't had a ball hit to him yet. So I guess we'll see what happens when the time comes, but I don't see, I don't see him having a problem playing the outfield. He worked very hard to be a good third baseman and he ended up being, he's so far grown to be a, a close to average for his third baseman. I wouldn't say above average, but I would say fringe average defense. He's worked to worked hard to get to. Uh, but I, I do think his path to the majors next season is the outfield. I think Jose Ramirez sticks at third base. And personally, I don't want to see the Indians move him to third base. If you're trading Francisco Lindor, you're, and this is no different than it was this year, but the bedrock of your offense is Jose Ramirez. And, you do whatever you can to make sure that Jose Ramirez can stay in the lineup every day and be as good as he was in 2020. And to me, that means keeping him a third base. He's also not as stout as he once was. He is a little bit uh, thicker than he was the last time he played second base. So (laughs) yeah, he's matured physically as that's a good way of putting it. Um, But yeah, I, I expect honestly to see if Nolan Jones is on the Indians roster at any point in 2021, I think it'll be in the outfield. Do you do you agree? I absolutely agree. A possibility he takes over first base, but I think right now it's a corner outfield for him. Right field makes the most sense to me because of the arm. Um, mm-hmm. He's a, a player that strikes me as somebody who is smart. He is athletic. He played hockey in high school. Um, you know, he may not be the fastest player in the outfield, but you know he's going to hustle and work and, and improve himself out there as he did at third base. All of those intangibles that he offered at third base he will offer in the outfield and to me right field makes the most sense with that arm yeah i don't think that'll that'll be the easiest tool to translate out there for sure um i I look forward to seeing what happens when he gets chances in the outfield i think he'll he'll figure it out pretty quickly uh bo naylor continues to catch that's not a surprise he was a catcher all 2019 i don't think we've seen anything at this point that suggests that they're going to move him the other thing that popped up, you pointed this out to me, was that Cody Morris was listed on the instructional league roster as a reliever, and and he's a guy you and I both like, and we both like him as a starter, and it would be a big blow to his future value and personal, in my personal preference, um, to see him move to the bullpen. I hope it's just for the fall because of rosters and because he hasn't pitched much this year. Obviously, he was not at the alternate site camp in, in Lake County. But I really hope he's not, you know, transitioned to the bullpen already. There was some relief risk in his profile uh, when he was drafted, but he was he was pretty solid as a starter in 2019, and I would hate to see him 
moved to the bullpen already. Yeah, I, I feel like he's got at least two potential plus pitches and, and possibly a third, as you've stated in the past. Uh, uh, I don't think that I feel as strongly about his changeup as you do, but, you know, I, I do like the curve and then obviously the fastball. Um, I would be surprised if it's a permanent thing. I think maybe it's more of a piggyback type of role uh, just to get him in innings. And, you know, if he did make that transition, it, it seems awful quick. And my first reaction would be, was there some sort of injury or something that brought that on? Um, but I think he would be a high impact bullpen arm if he was moved there. I, I think as a starter, though, he offers at least number three upside. And that's where I think that he will continue to, to, to develop in the future. Yeah, I've got him pegged going to Akron next year. That might be a little bit aggressive, but he did spend time in Lynchburg in 2019, so we'll see. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It all depends on the depth above him. What's that? I said it all depends on the depth above him, and yeah, no arms. Yeah, there's no shortage of arms in the system. They're gonna have to clean some, some spots out and decide who they want to give priority to, even though you always need pitching depth. So. There are a couple names I wanted to note that were on the instructional league roster. Now, obviously, I know some people have asked about uh, Brian Rocchio. Brian Rocchio and Alex Friplanez cannot be part of instructional roster because of travel restrictions in Venezuela. So they've been stuck in Venezuela since March, since the pandemic hit. So they cannot get uh, flights out of there and back to the U.S. So they're kind of stuck in limbo, unfortunately. Uh, a lost year for both of them, unfortunately. And the other note was people were asking about Sam Henches and some other guys. Anybody on the 40-man roster cannot be in an instructional league this year either. So um, Scott Moss, Logan Allen, uh, the older Logan Allen, those reason you don't see them on the roster is because they're on the 40-man roster and they cannot be there um, due to the roles they negotiated. The other names I wanted to point out, and I'm going to ask you, Willie, to fill in the gaps on some of them if you know. So Nick Mikulajic's on there. Joe said he looked good early on. I think we know he can be a quick-moving reliever uh, to, to potentially, you know, average to above-average pitches out of the bullpen. Uh, and Tim Heron, you noted Tim Heron on Twitter picking up a lot of velocity from the left-handed side up to 97 and a very tall, tough delivery. Um, he was a really nice closer for the Scrappers a year ago. So I recognize that name. And I think he's someone to watch because the Indians did invite him to the instructional league. And, and because of the video we've seen on Twitter of him really ramping it up velo wise, it's interesting from the left side. But the other names I'm not really familiar with personally, outside of just knowing their names, uh, is Xavion Curry, Jesus Lara, and okay, Kyle Marmon and Jared Jansak. Can you? What can you tell everybody about those guys? Kind of off the top of my head here, Xavion Curry is from Georgia Tech, was drafted in 2019. Seventh, I don't recall. I believe he had a shoulder strain or something that kept him from pitching his debut season until this year. Obviously, he didn't get to debut, but he was 90-94 in college, a uh, curveball and a changeup. I believe those were um, – I believe the curveball was ahead of the change, and he, if I recall correctly, he was above average with control, something that the Indians really like. Um, Tim Heron – uh, up to 94, up to 96, uh, with video on Twitter of that has a nice slider. I think there's a change up and a curve in there somewhere, too. Um, Jesus, uh, don't know a whole lot about he was signed as an agent a few years ago. Um, somebody who was considered one of the better signings of the 2000, either 18 or 19 class. Um, I, I from my understanding, somebody that displays an advanced approach to play, which is pretty common for the Indians to target that. Kyle Marmon was a pitcher that was probably set to be drafted in, in maybe the mid-rounds of the draft and then had a elbow injury. Um, a guy that's displayed plus control at one point um, had to have that UCL, UCL reconnected instead of having um, Tommy John surgery for that injury. He wanted to come back and, and did pitch out of the bullpen last year for the tribe. Um, I believe it was Lake County or the Scrappers. I can't really remember which one it was, but he was low 90s. Um, somebody that I think could be a bullpen arm to watch, uh, somebody that could transition pretty quickly because of his 
precise uh, control. Jared Janzik was a later round draft choice from TCU. I think he was low 90s, curveball change. Don't remember a whole lot. Um, Nick Miklochak, and I'm sorry if I'm slaughtering the name, and I know his brother Blake follows <laughs> me on Twitter. <laughs> um, Nick, it's mid-90s, uh, has a above-average curveball, and he's somebody that I think will transition relatively quickly. Another another arm that has above-average control, something that the Indians have targeted in the draft, especially from the college picks that they've made in recent years. Yeah, I think Mikko, I think I think it's Miko Wanchek. I don't know, maybe he can correct us if he <laughs> listens to this, but um, I think he was, was someone who would have been up to at least Lynchburg, maybe even Akron this year, had there been a normal season. I think he's a reliever who could move fast. He's got command and two good pitches. And I do remember Marmon now pitching for Lake County that you mentioned that. Uh, just a not not somebody that I that popped out to me when I was watching him pitch last year, but seemed like an okay arm. I saw Tim Heron last year from Mahoning or from Mahoning Valley. He was a good closer. So um, other names, I think we've, we've, if you're a reader of IBI, you know the names, but these are some guys we have not written about um, recently. And we probably will more. Cause like I said, Joe is uh, walking <laughs> his dog uh, by the Indians complex when they're playing yeah. uh, inter- instruct games. So you know, good timing well. for, for Joe to be taking a walk. Yeah. <laughs> So that does help us a little bit. So be on the lookout for more reports from Joe from Goodyear on the Indians Instructional League. The first one's up for subscribers. And uh, I think the biggest part of recon was probably Nolan Jones in the outfield. And I think he had a picture of Kaya Tom rounding the bases after he hit a home run. Kaya Tom's down there. Still love Kaya Tom. Wouldn't be surprised if Kaya Tom goes in the Rule 5 draft this time around. We'll see. Speaking of the offseason, let's move on here. Unless there's anything you wanted to add to the instructional no, rosters before we move on. <laughs> uh, offseason plan. We don't need to get too deep into this because we have a lot of offseason to talk about. But uh, because this is kind of our offseason kickoff podcast, how do the Indians somehow find a way to add to the major league team without spending? Well, we talked about the Francisco Lindor trade. You mentioned trying to find help for now, which, you know, could come in the form of a, a one-for-one swap and maybe get less prospects, but maybe get one major league piece in a prospect instead of three prospects. Um, I do have free agents and non-tender targets to talk about, but now that I think about it, trying to guess the free agent game and trying to guess who's going to get non-tender, it seems like a lot of work. So I think we might come back to that in future podcasts once the season's over and we start to get a better idea of what teams are going to do. The other thing is, we can we can bring up trade targets too in the future, but the other thing is, can the Indians trade a starting pitcher? So if you look at the Indians' 40-man roster right now, as far as pitchers go, you have Shane Beaver, you have Zach Plesak, you have Carlos Carrasco, you have Aaron Savali, you have Tristan McKenzie, Adam Plutko still around, Cal Quantrill might be used as a starter next year, there's Logan Allen, there's Scott Moss, Sam Hedges, uh, Giancarlos Mejia, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. That's 12 pitchers who have started a game for the Indians or could start for a game for the Indians in 2021. And then almost certainly they're going to add Eli Morgan to the 40-man roster. So that would give them 13 starting pitchers on the 40-man roster. And I would say it's very likely that all 13 – Maybe 12. I'm not sure. But he, I'm not sure about because he hasn't pitched a lot in the last two seasons. But I would say at least 12 of them could reasonably start a game for the Indians in 2021. And I know you need pitching depth. And the Indians showed that a year ago, and they and they didn't need it as much this year. But I can't imagine they're going to keep all 13 around on the 40-man roster. I, I can't see it. Do you? I will add this, though. Um, Carlos Vargas would probably be added. And I know – and, it, and it's going to take more development time for him. But that gave you 14 starting pitchers then. And you know, Jeff Jeffrey Rodriguez um, missed all of this season and portion of last with uh, a shoulder injury. I believe he had shoulder surgery at this point. Or, and I may be mistaken about that. I can't remember if he had shoulder surgery or not. Um, but he's been injured. He's missed a lot of time. 
they move on from him or could they push him to the pen? Uh, another player that stands out is Adam Pluko. He's been one of the team leaders this year. Um, kind of stepped up his role with the team as far as being a player representative, an assistant player representative with Francisco Lindor. Um, you know, he, he could find himself looking for a new job or, or traded um, in the offseason. I, I don't think that they would command a lot for him. Um, you know, a, a lot of it's just going to be how they fill out the bullpen. Do they put him back in the pen next year? Do they decide him to decide to package him in a deal with somebody else? Who knows? But I, I think there's a lot of scenarios. And I do expect that we'll see at least one or two of these guys moved in some sort of deal. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that they – I mean, again, you always need pitching depth, and you did mention Carlos Vargas, but I guess I was thinking more guys who, who potentially could start a game for them in 2021. No, I don't see him as being ready for that. And I agree. And we even talked about J.C. Mejia moving to the bullpen, too. I think there's a chance that he can move to the bullpen. Uh, and Jeffrey Rodriguez, I agree on. So even if you take away Rodriguez and Mejia and Plutko, um, you know, you're still talking – essentially 10 pitchers on your 40 man roster that can and start a game for you this year quickly or next year. And I, I think that there's those other guys through the minors. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Cody Morris, as we talked about Tanner Burns, Logan Allen and, and Mason Hicken all drafted this season. None of them should debut, but all of them with above average to plus type, you know, those guys will move quickly through the system and provide the trial options. They will have the ability and flexibility to utilize staff um, to acquire their needs um, positionally. Yeah, so they'll continue to do that. I, I don't, I don't, I could see them trading one of their five starters and obviously not Beaver, and obviously we don't think Carrasco. Um, I could see one of Plesak, Savali, or McKenzie moved in a deal. Like I joked that maybe, maybe Lindor and Tristan McKenzie could net you Joe Adele from the Angels, but. Probably not, unless unless Dave Dombrowski gets that job, and then in which case, Lindor for Joe Adele straight up might be a possibility. Um, but I, I could see I them capitalizing the same deal on MLB.com. What was that yesterday? So I think somebody must have been reading that. <laughs> oh wow, I, I did. I didn't even see that. Wow, the Joe yeah, Adele thing is, is interesting. Later. But, um, I think. It, <laughs> I'll have to go back and look. Maybe someone was. Uh, they're think on the same wavelength that we are. I could see them cashing in on McKenzie a little bit, maybe, and trying to move him now and, and maybe avert some future risk. I love Tristan McKenzie as a pitcher and as a person. I think he's a fantastic person and, and um, has been one of my favorite prospects since Indians drafted him. But the future is still a little bit concerning for me. We saw the velo dip uh, as he started a couple extra games this year and after having two years off, and maybe that's maybe that's normal, but I could see them trying to capitalize on some some value there because they have other options. I I, I have a hard time thinking that Adam Plutko will be back next year. We'll see, and, and maybe they maybe they move Logan Allen. I mean, Logan Allen's been here a year and a half now, and and he's had no role on this team because there's no spot for him to start, and it's been hard for him to show what he can do because he's pitched out of the bullpen in mop-up duty or in bullpen games. So I'm not really sure what his value looks like, but I could see him getting traded again too, if they feel like they have different other options in the minors. And, you know, you got three lefties right there, Logan Allen, Scott Moss, and Sam Henches, who all could start so a game this year. Up so there. You bring it would up not shock there, me. If it, um, kind of without saying it, but, you know, we talked about Oliver Perez earlier and Brad Hand. There's two lefties out of the bullpen next year. So who's the lefties in the bullpen for the tribe next year? It's going to end up being one or two of maybe Kyle Nelson, Logan Allen, Scott Moss, and Sam Henches to me. Yeah, yeah Kyle Nelson for sure. I think can make. I don't. I the bullpen is going to be a weird thing. We can get into this another podcast too. Um, are they going to let a lot of these young pitchers out of the who are relievers break camp out of the bullpen because you're talking, you know. Uh, free agents service time manipulation and, and uh, well, super we'll tube manipulation, things like that. Though, Justin, so I'm curious to see how they, the that they have. That way they can uh, accrue enough time in the minor leagues where they won't 
um, become um, ARB, ARB eligible too early for them, you know? <laughs> Don't want to get that super two status. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Yeah, they have to work on their uh, their fielding and their That's pickoffs right. before they come up and pitch out of the bullpen in Cleveland. But it, that is a good point. So I think at some point next year, Kyle Nelson occupies a spot out of the bullpen. And you're right, one of those lefties could certainly be out there. To me, Sam Hench just makes the most sense out of the bullpen. Um, I, I, I still have a hard time looking at him as a starter because he lacks a third pitch and there's some other things there, but we didn't see him a lot this year. I know his velocity was up in, in alternate training camp or the alternate site camp, whatever we're calling it. Uh, I think there's a fit there for that. Obviously, that's not going to happen out of spring training either. So I could see them maybe maybe trying to sign a veteran lefty. I don't know who's out there. And maybe they'll bring – maybe Oliver Perez comes back on like a one-year, $1 million deal just to come back. He, I mean, he wasn't bad this year. It wasn't like he had a bad year. So uh, I was – May not be the yeah, so maybe he comes back and then eventually Kyle Nelson and Sam Hentges end up taking those roles out there. You're right. I think that's that's a possibility. But I think for sure I'm comfortable saying one of one of Logan Allen or Sam Hentges gets moved or um, Plesak or McKenzie or maybe Savali. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about any of those guys getting traded. I like I like Playsack and Savali a lot, but I don't want to see them traded. I don't like McKenzie either. I guess it depends on other people's value of him. But I would not be surprised to see any of those guys move at least one this winter, I guess is what I'm getting at, which we've said I, now I don't three times be, probably. This, but why do you acquire Cal Quantrill when you already have a stable of young arms, when you know the guy wants to start? I, I think you do that to provide more options for the future that you can acquire the positional players that you need. And you you get more than enough pitching depth to do so. And, and I think that's exactly what they've done. And I think they have arms that they can uh, um, call up if needed. And God forbid, if Cody Morris is needed next year, then things have really gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I haven't even gotten that far down the depth chart yet uh, in terms of what we're talking about. Uh, there are other guys. Adam Scott is on that list too. Uh, not ready for Rule Five protection, but someone who also fits that same mold. So there are options. I would say for sure, if you're an Indians fan, if you hear, I mean, I think we've gotten used to this over the last couple of years with with Corey Kluber and and Mike Clevenger and Trevor Bauer. Uh, expect to hear a lot of rumors about Lindor. And expect to hear a lot of rumors about. Uh, the Indians moving a starting pitcher or, or expect to hear that other teams are calling about starting pitching. And Shane Bieber, for the record, is not going anywhere. Shane Bieber is not even ARB eligible yet, and he's 25 and is coming off a Cy Young season. Uh, Shane Bieber is not getting moved unless they're getting, like, Juan Soto back, okay? So if, if, you, if you speculate that Shane Bieber is going to trade and our teams are calling about Shane Bieber – just don't even read it. Don't even read the headline. Just assume it's clickbait and assume they're just saying, well, of course, teams are calling. They always do. So let's just go and get that guy out there now. Ignore Shane Bieber rumors unless there is a Wander Franco or a, a Juan Soto coming back. To that. I don't have to off season. <laughs> It'll be enough. enough with others. Oh, it's going to happen. You should. Yeah, it's going to happen. I can almost you. I mean, you already sent an article on it saying how soon before the Indians are forced to trade him. So it's already out there. It already is. <sighs> well, we've covered a lot in about fifty minutes or so, and I know you've got commitments at home. You've got to go into. So we we have covered a lot. Let's get out of here on this. You've got a lot of new stuff coming up at IVI. We can talk about so all the t- stuff we talked about, the death charts and. Uh, rosters, projections, things like that. All that's new at Indians Baseball Insider. It's in the top tab uh, on the home, on the website, so the top menu where you log in if you're a subscriber or a, have a free account. It's uh, right in the middle there next to account and about us. We have the depth charts up for the Indians, for the Clippers, uh, for the 40-man roster, Akron, uh, Lynchburg, Lake County, and one of the Arizona teams. Now these will change 
throughout the off seasons, we learn about the Indians cutting more players because we expect a handful, maybe more, even more than a handful of more cuts coming, unfortunately. So those will be up there and they're, they're going to change throughout the season. So keep an eye on that. We'll tweet when we make changes. Uh, those are free for subscribers and non-subscribers. So we'll have that. Uh, Joe will continue with his top 10 individual seasons in the last 10 years in the minor leagues. So he's going back 10 years and looking at the 10 best individual seasons at each level. We've already had the Dominican Summer League, the Arizona uh, Rookie League, and Mahoning Valley Indians uh, and Scrappers. He's already done the series on them. So those are up at IBI for everyone to read. And Lake County, and I believe he's splitting the high A piece between the Mudcats and the Hillcats. Uh, I don't know what it is with the Indians and their high affiliate being named Cats, but um, clearly that's the way they've gone. That's the way they're choosing their flights these days is the, if they sound like an animal. Uh, Akron and then Columbus. Those are free for everyone to read. And then the next couple insider pieces will be this. We will have the top 10 position rankings. So we're going to rank the top 10 catchers in the system, the top 10 first basemen, the top 10 you know starters, outfielders, That'll all be coming up in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, that'll be for all insiders because we are going to, we're going to go really deep on some of these positions. There are guys uh, that might not even be with the organization that we have to rank just because we're trying to rank 10. Um, so you're going to get a look deep, deep into the system with those. And then we will have the best tools in the system. So we're going to have the best hit tool, the best power, best speed, best fastball, all those tools. Um, we're going to rank those and we're going to myself, Willie and Joe, and then we're going to defend our position and why we ranked that way. So insiders can look out for that. And Willie, I know at one point you had mentioned something about a payroll piece. I, is that, I, I have a that payroll piece is a work in progress among other things that are a work in progress in my life now. Um, but yes, <laughs> I am actually working on one and trying to comb through it and, and clean it up where it's understandable and easy to look at and, kind of get the gist of what's going on with the tribe's payroll in the future, really looking several years ahead into the future, but also going to include um, player options. And a lot of the information is old. It's from the beginning of the season. So it will be updated as soon as it's updated to other sites. Yeah. So we'll have a, a payroll piece up to look at the off season. And then uh, I believe we're going to try to put together a payroll chart in addition to uh, the depth chart. The depth charts do have uh, salary information. They have like, you know, right now you can see if they have, if they're arbitration eligible for the first time, the second time, if they're pre-arb, but only if they have a contract with the money up for. So uh, as we get more salary information, we will update those as well. But I think we're going to try to put together a spreadsheet for the payroll um, on the top links as well. So, Look out for those more, more work to be done on the depth charts and the projected rosters. Like I said, we'll update those. Uh, it takes a lot of work, and uh, quite frankly, I'm, I'm excited. I, I enjoy doing that, and I hope the readers uh, consider it a resource and they enjoy it. And if anybody has any suggestions, um, you know, we're open to that as well as far as making them better, more readable, including more pertinent information. But I hope people find this a valuable resource because I know a lot of our readers on the, on the forums uh, constantly bring up depth charts and things like that. So happy to bring that to you. If, if that's something you like, and we will definitely keep updating that. Any final thoughts tonight? I, we don't, I mean, we don't need to get real philosophical. It's the first off season podcast and uh, there's a lot of off season I, to come. So don't have to get real. Philosophical, yeah, but do you have any no, final thoughts? Justin, you know, you know, I won't go into a long philosophical dialogue. Um, just thankful for the opportunity to to catch up with you again and talk <laughs> tribe. Um, I look forward to seeing what the off season will bring. I expect it to be interesting, frustrating, and um, also bring a little bit of excitement with some youth, youth and and a lot of uh, talent that I expect to be influx into this uh system um i'll just leave on saying go tribe and i look forward to talking to you again soon justin yeah i do as well and, and we'll have another one probably at some point again this month if not beginning of november like i said at the beginning look for 
maybe two of these a month and we'll try to get to them as quickly as possible when uh, time allows and as news happens this winter. So we will hear our voices again. And I really, I definitely look forward to talking plenty of baseball for you this, with you this winter, because it's, we only had 60 games to talk about it this year and um, it might be a long winter. So I, I want to talk more baseball as much as we can just to try to get through it. Cause that's the thing I, I enjoy doing the most. And I know it's going to be, a tough off season for a lot of people and, and it's going to be a tough off season to be a tribe fan in, in some respects. So we're going to try to make it as informative and entertaining and maybe therapeutic as possible. <laughs> All right. Well, we will catch you again here soon. Be on the lookout. Like I said, maybe, maybe later this month and maybe, maybe the beginning of November, we'll see what happens, but uh, keep going to IBI, keep going to baseballinsider.com. Uh, follow us at official underscore BI. Follow Willie at willwho99. You can follow me at jail underscore baseball, but I tweet a lot. So if you are not looking some, for someone to clog your timeline, just you know, be careful to follow me because I might tweet uh, 15, 20 times a day where you might be looking for someone with a little bit less of a tendency to tweet, but it's the off season. Maybe I'll scale this back. Thanks for tuning in and we will catch you again soon.